0: Good morning, New City Church. How's everybody? Good, googly. Hey, we got the band back together, baby. It's all back in place as they should be. No, but it's good, man. We've had uh, really good stuff, guys. I'm telling some folks this morning, it's like, I'm so nervous because I haven't done this in so long. But uh, it's been actually uh, for the entire month of June, I did not preach at all. And um, hey, what? That's so why I love this church. I was expecting some, some clapper. I was like, yes! <laughs> oh, you guys are always back. Who is this guy, right? <laughs> I love you, man. I love it. So, but I do want to thank you. And we're we are uh finishing up this series called Freedom. We have the freedom that we have in Christ. We are talking about specifically uh grace over the last three weeks. And grace is something, guys, that that a lot of people don't really understand. If you remember, uh Jesus comes uh in in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. And uh, that Word became flesh, and He came full of grace, right, and truth. And so if we're not careful, we can get so far on the side of truth. I'm going to move this down because I can't see some of you people right over here. I'm going to move that down. Oh, maybe not, maybe not, maybe. Don't trip because you know I'm a klutz. But if we're not careful, we can get really, really focused on one or the other, right? We can get so focused on truth that if we're not careful, we're like, "Oh, it's all truth, all truth." The Bible, blah, 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 and then and we lose our love for people. We can because we're so focused on the idea that the Bible's true and you need Jesus and all this kind of all that's true. But if we don't have grace balancing with that we can get really off kilter and out of balance, right? So people feel condemned, people, people feel persecuted, people feel judged. And over and over and over, we can get stuck in traditions and religion and uh, uh, legalism, or we can get stuck in, oh, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Both of them are full of crap if they're not, bu- not put together, amen? Does that make sense? So, man, Daniel, uh, a few weeks ago, started, uh, started off with... Uh, Really, I want to thank him for his Father's Day message, man. Uh, Great stuff, talking about suffering as discipline. Mitch, our one of our elders, is uh, man. (laughs) Like what a what a testimony that cat has, man. I had no idea you had like the Mexican cartel after you, bro. But uh, that was like, dude, all right. We ain't got to watch our backs, but yeah, as long as you're with us, man. But but what God has done in his life has been absolutely amazing. What Kyle talked about last week, really defining sin, anything that is not of God because God is love. Man, we've had some great teaching going on, and I'm just excited to be back. I'm going to try to, uh, like I said, just uh, talk a little bit about continuing in this idea of what grace is. And starting off in Romans 8, Terry Dillard, this is for you. Starting in verse 1, because this is your favorite verse. Where are you at, right? Therefore, no, zero condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. Amen? This is heavy stuff. It's going to be a heavy teach, man. Because it's really like like we got to get this. If we're going to be the missionaries that God has called us to be, we got to get this. Because the Spirit's law of life In Christ, Jesus has set you, say it with me, free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do, remember what what Kyle was talking about last week, like like sin reigned, that's why the law came, and it wasn't so that we could like be intimidated, it's so we could understand our need of a Savior. Like we can't save ourselves and we can't do enough to get to God. It is only through His Son, Jesus Christ. What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin, not people. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in the flesh, like ours, under sin's domain. And as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, I want you to pay attention to verse 5, because this is a very important thing. Like like a lot of people say, I wish I knew what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to be. And many times that manifests itself in outward obedience versus an internal heart that turns toward God. Listen to what this says. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, think about things of the flesh. This is in our minds, right? Oh man, I got to get my next lick. Oh man, I got to get my next money. I got to get retired. I got to get this. Things of the flesh. Oh, sex and booze or whatever that is. Or even if it's just laziness. I'm so tired, right? But, everybody say but. But those who live according to the Spirit, capital spirit, about the things of the Spirit. Like, how can I reach people? How can I be on mission? How can I love people the way God says to love? How can I be truly, genuinely obedient to the Master and the Lord that I love? Yes, He's my one-time Savior, but He's my full-time Lord. Amen. And that's why, like, it's it's remarkable to me. So many times in the Scriptures, over and over and over, it says, "This is how you're to think. This is how you're to how you what's in your heart," is, and all that will dictate where you go as the Lord. Leads. C.S. Lewis in the book called The Great Divorce said there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. And those are the people we want to be, right? Thy will be done, God. And to whom God says in the end, Thy will be done. All that are in hell choose it. Without that self choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find, Those who knock, it is open. And I love C.S. Lewis for his mind. Man, I love that. For the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit itself to God's law. For it is unable to do so. That's what Kyle was talking about last week. We can't possibly fulfill all the laws and all the things. There's no way. That's why we need a Savior. Once, done, and for all, and forever. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. As I'm continuing to go down the Scriptures, guys, I want you to be asking yourself these questions. Things like, is this me? And if it's not me, what do I got to do to get that to be me? Where do I need to submit my life, whatever it is, uh, to God ultimately, but but to uh, to the to the, the the scriptures' mandates of what we're supposed to do? Like it, it's not a matter of to do, but what does my heart need to look like? And ask ourselves honestly: Is this me, and is this us collectively as a church? Can we do that? Is that cool? You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But, everybody say but. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And it's heavy. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of the sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, And he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. What that says is, if Christ is in you, you get to live for freaking ever. That's a Casey Carter translation. Amen. I mean, seriously, think about it. You get to live. That is ridiculous. See, we're all like trying to trying to take care of our bodies and live as long as we can. And hey man, I, I'm not gonna sign a do not resuscitate clause because man, I wanna I wanna stay on as long as I possibly can. And guys, we have suffered some some deaths in our our, our church family and our extended family. As a matter of fact, these flowers, if you don't know, are from Ed Shanley's memorial. If you don't know Ed Shanley, Ed Shanley's one of my heroes. Not a real big church going guy, but probably one of the most godly men that I know, and the way that he loved his wife, and the way that he served other people, and the way that he served his city. And we can learn a lot from that legacy. Amen. Christian, wonderful, godly man. And I love him. He was our crossing guard for years. Volunteered at the elementary school. He was our Santa Claus at the at the citywide mayor's uh, Christmas tree event. I mean, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. Gave sacrificially. Uh, gave of himself sacrificially. And the reason that his family called us when we because we served them. Because well, a couple of years ago, if you don't remember, there was we we got a phone call. Hey, there's an elderly couple that needs some help, and we went and painted their house, and they just meant the world to them, right? And so when Ed passed away, he called us and said, or, or not he did, but his wife called us. He ain't worried about us right now. Right, man? He's like, man, man, I'll check y'all in a minute. I'm partying. But when his wife called us, she called us because we were the ones serving the community. We were the ones serving them. And we're going to continue doing that. Amen. We're going to continue getting to know people's names. That's why we have these sign-up sheets. If you missed it on the, on the video, man, say, take those clipboards, pass them down, sign your name on it. We want to know who you are. We want to continue to get to know who people are. Guys, we are going to continue serving people because we are uh, readers of the scriptures and believers in the scriptures and obeyers of the scriptures. We're going to be going down, uh, not serve Saturdays anymore, but we're going to have serve Sundays from this point on. And we're going to have one coming up very soon. So be thinking about those kinds of things. We'll get a date for you next week. But we're going to have serve Sundays. So what we'll do is after the third service, everybody just bring your work clothes and we'll go serve, man. Like, what greater way to show people, like by our works? They may not know Jesus. They may never step into church on Sunday morning, but they will know us by our love. Amen? So then, brothers, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, but for if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. <laughs> like, it's like really, really, this is not, not rocket science here. But, everybody say, but. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Man, all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons, for if you did not receive a spirit of slavery, you fall back into fear. But if you receive the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's Children and if children also heirs, meaning we are princes and princesses. Is that right, prince I, princess I. I don't know. Meaning we are going to inherit a kingdom. That's why we call each other brothers and sisters, not because of some weird uh, cultural thing. It's because we're both children of God. I may joke about you being my brothers and sisters from other mothers and misters, but we actually have one. God, one Father, together, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Man, Romans 8 is heavy. So much here. And so many things I want to go into, but there's no possible way. But I just want to read these over to you and then talk about a specific thing that man has has tripped us up. Because here's the thing I love about Romans. Romans chapters 1 through 11 is all about, hey, there is no distinction. He's talking to, to Jewish people and Gentile people who have all come to know Jesus. He goes, there is no distinguish, distinguishment between the two. And chapters 12 through 15 say, hey, you've got to be unified. That's why it says in Romans 12, you are, uh, you are a sacrifice, you're offering your bodies, plural, as a living sacrifice. It's a unified thing right so a unified body of believers is what glorifies God it's amazing that's why I say your co-heirs your brothers and sisters your family man you got to be thinking in those kinds of ways and if we're not we're thinking more about ourselves than we are about God's kingdom and his bride and all those kinds of things for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing guys if anybody tells you coming to know Jesus is going to be the solution to all your worldly problems man i'm just here to tell you like what, Matt, what mitch said a couple weeks ago it will probably get worse because it will get ramped up on you man the devil's going to try to trip you up amen he will but we are not even the, the current sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us for the creation eagerly waits for anticipation for god's son's to be revealed, for the creation was subjected to futility. And what talked about Adam in the fall last week, right? Um, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption. into the glorious freedom of God's children. Right? It's for us. It's for us. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. I mean, I'm getting old, man. I'm creaking and cracking and popping and sore all the time. And it's like, good googly moogly. I'm ready for this, man. I'm going to walk down the stairs in the morning. It's like, oh. That's any one of those chair lifts that just goes down. I don't need one that goes up. just goes down. I can go upstairs all day long. I'm going to start sleeping in the basement. You know. <laughs> what was I? Ah, redemption of our bodies. Now, in this hope we were saved. Yet hope that is seen is not hope because, he who hope. because who hopes for what he sees? Which makes sense. If you see it, no need to hope for it, right? But, everybody say but. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience we're going to get into something here in a second that is one of the most controversial parts of all scripture and i'm going to try my very very best to give you what i call c cubed it's casey carter's commentary on this but it's all about guys like this whole idea of romans is to say we're to be unified and people use these passages in romans and other passages to be divided it's ridiculous See, in the same way, the Spirit also joins to help in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groaning. See, we don't even know what to pray for half the time. Thank you, Jesus. And he who searches the heart knows the Spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who, what, are religious? No. Uh, denominational, no, legalistic, no, the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to His purpose, not our own. For those He foreknew, here's where it gets weird and controversial, right? Some people in all kinds of different camps. For He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers, and those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now, here's the deal, man. I, like, like this whole idea of predestination and pre-call, like there's, there are two camps that they get really divided, which is so ridiculous because Romans is like, be united. And they're like, oh, we're going to take these passages and we're going to divide ourselves, right? But here's what happens: like there's a there's a group of people there. Uh, well, some people call them Calvinists or whatnot. There's like no free will at all. Correct me if I'm wrong in either. So, but anyway, the camps are there's No free will at all. You have already been chosen. You have already been determined. You have already been like God has already. Basically, picked you to be all be like with him forever, and then you've got this other camp over here, right? That says, "No, it's all free will. No matter what you, no matter what you uh, have done, and that kind of thing, you can actually choose to follow Jesus." And here's the thing: just like grace and truth, they're both together. White right? without one, and without the other, like you can get really jacked up and messed up. See, because if you're in this camp that says there's no free will, no matter what you do, God's already chosen, there's no need to be a missionary, right? Does that make sense? Like, there's no need to go talk to people about Jesus. God's already chosen. With this free will thing, it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, yeah, no matter what, it's kind of this willy-nilly, yeah, it's like I'll pick it on my deathbed and everything, like or, you know, I chose Jesus when I was a little prayer, when I was in camp, when I was a little kid, but I've never really, you know, I, I, I've not, not felt this chosenness, Right? And so it's an interesting thing, but here's how, like as I'm reading Scripture and I'm looking at Scriptures, here's how my, con- my, my commentary on this is going to work. And, and keep in mind, it's just mine, right? But I think both camps are right, but I think to be divided is way wrong, amen, because it's both. See, if we have a God that we can't fully understand, what Scripture says is God's thoughts are not man's thoughts. Man's thoughts are not God's thoughts. See, we are, and here's what, like if you don't know my testimony, like Genesis, from Genesis uh, all the way through the Old Testament, it talks about over 360 times the, what the characteristics of the coming Messiah is going to look like. Meaning, like, things like his hands and feet would be pierced. He'd be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He'd be born in Bethlehem. He'd ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. I mean, really crazy, specific stuff. And it's virtually impossible for any one person to fulfill all those by mere chance. Which was what brought me to my knees going, oh man, this is really, like there's no possible way that Jesus could be anyone but God in the flesh, and if that wasn't enough, he rose from the flipping dead. But what that says is that God is not bound by linear time, like, like, he, like, we don't understand eternity because what God sees is just is we see his past, present, and future. And here's what it looks like in, in the scriptures Revelation 1.8. when Jesus comes to John and says, Hey, this is what's going to happen at the end times, he goes, I am the Alpha. And the Omega, says the Lord, the one who is, who was, and one who is coming, the Almighty, right? Now, how can somebody be past, present, and future unless they are seeing it not in linear time? That's why he can say, before you were ever conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you. Wow. See, and here's what's up. First Peter and Second Peter. Actually, this is funny because Peter, uh, like like both camps, will use Peter's writings to make their own cases, and it's so wild. He goes, Peter says, "But you are a chosen race, right? A royal priesthood, meaning we have uh, an inheritance coming. You are a chosen race." See, I, I, truth people, oh oh oh, no free will, right? No free will. We're chosen. We're chosen. A holy nation, a people for his possession. Here's why. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's why, right? 2 Peter 3, 8-9. through 9. Dear friends, don't let, don't let this one thing escape you. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. Like, it doesn't, like, that, like linear time, past, present, future, don't mean squat to God. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. See, that's the free will people. They'll use that scripture to make their case. Same guy wrote two different things, right? And in Exodus 3, when, when the bur- Moses comes up on the burning bush, and many people, many scholars feel like this is Jesus in the burning bush. He just hadn't been born and named yet. And, 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 they, and, they, and he talks to Moses, and, and Moses is like, who shall I tell the Pharaoh sent me? God replies to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am? I just is, man. Right? Romans 8, 31 through 39. Before I get into that, this answers all those questions. Linear time, not being bound by linear time, just seeing what is answers all the questions about who God knows who will and who won't and who would and who wouldn't, no matter what circumstances, no matter where they live. I mean, people say, well, well, what about all those people that never hear the name of Jesus? I think if God knows everything and knows who his people are and who's who in every circumstances would or would not, I think he knows where to place them in the world. And if we have a problem with that, let's go tell them. Amen. Let's be missionaries. Gosh, Oh my goodness. Romans 8 31 through 39. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offering him up for us all. How will we not also with him grant, how will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Right? Tell that to the all free will people. God is the one who justifies, and who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who dies, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Hallelujah. As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day, no, all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that not even death or life or angels or rulers or things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth or any other created thing, will have the power to separate us from the love of God that it is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said. A couple questions for us, and I love answers when I ask questions. Do we want this for ourselves? Do we want this kind of power, this kind of authority, this kind of direction, this kind of protection? Do we want that for ourselves? Yes or no? This is a very simple, yes, I imagine. You'd be a little loco if you don't want that, right? Here's my next question. Do we want this for others? If we get into our holy huddles and all we do is get together and talk amongst ourselves and we never go and we go out, right? As there are 3,700 people working at the intermodal, how are we going to reach them? As there are 1,600 people living in this town, how are we going to reach them? There are... Rumors that this town is about to explode. And one of the evidences of that is that, if you don't know, we have twice the amount of park space in our city that we need right now. I don't know if you knew that or not. We have Martin Creek Park. We have the skate park. We have all kinds of different parks. Like, there's twice the amount of parks already. And they just broke ground on a humongous new park called Big Bull Creek. Why would they do that? These people are not stupid. They're not going to do that because, hey, it's really nice to give somebody, give 1,600 people in a town a humongous new park with with horse trails and jogging trails and all kinds of really cool stuff. That sounds like a really great idea. No, these people are not just throwing away money. There's an anticipation of a lot of people moving here. And over the next month, what we're going to do, and this is going to be a two-year at least initiative for us, we're going to go through a series called Will It Be Us?, you just see this here. Will it be us? Will it be us that God says, whom shall I send? And will it be us to say, God, here we are, send us. Whom shall I send? Will it be us that makes Jesus Lord? Will it be us that thinks the way Jesus says to, to think the, the, that We think the ways of the spirit, not the ways of the flesh. We think I'm going to reach out to people and bring them to the knowledge and help them understand who Jesus is. All we are doing is going to be waking up his sheep. So here's what I want us to do. Will it be us? And here's a here's a symbol, a question mark that we're going to see a bunch. And whenever you see that question mark. I want you to ask yourself, will it be me and will it be us as a church that goes and reaches the people that are not only here already? Because I'm thinking my mass writes like fifty five hundred people that 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 come into Edgerton on a daily basis. How do we reach them? How do we reach the thousands of people potentially that are going to be coming over the next five years? It's a big deal, right? What is it? what mindset what heart set what what my, what are my head my heart my hands and my heels where are we going to go what are we going to do where are we going to think how are we going to love people that we may not even have met yet how are we praying now for those who are moving here how do we be thinking less that we are at a church and more that we are a mission field mission house missionaries collecting together celebrating on sunday yeah and then we're on mission the rest of the rest of the time amen see this is even a missionary tool here that we can bring people yes absolutely but it's not the end all be all amen father thank you god thank you god for the opportunities you've given us it's been amazing we just had our 75th baptism since we've been a church over the last couple of years this morning that's awesome and it's wonderful but God, I'm starting to think with all the people that are here and all the people that have come and all the people that are about to come, why isn't it 750? That sounds ridiculous. But Lord, we've got to reach your people. We've got to go help your sheep to wake up and see you. You've called us. You've called us, God. And here's the question we're going to ask ourselves, Lord, over... The next couple of years, will it be us that gets to know people's names? And they know that they're known. Will it be us that makes disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples? Because if we got thousands of people that are coming into this area, not just in our town, but in Gardner, in Wellsville, in Baldwin, all of Southern Johnson, come on, Lord. Lord, you've given us a humongous task, and you've given us great favor over the last couple of years. But may we never take that for granted, nor rest On yesterday's home runs. Father will it be us. That makes the community. So appreciative that they say we need you. And may we in response say you don't need any of us. You need Jesus. And may we be an incredibly beautifully generous church. Will it be us. That does that. Lord? And fathers we. Take communion this morning. What you've said in your word is very clear. Don't take it in an unworthy manner. If you have something against someone, if there's unforgiveness in our hearts. If we don't have some things straight in ourselves, we cannot do this in an, manner, in an unworthy manner and cast judgment on ourselves. So as we take communion, Lord, may we sit for a little bit and just think things of you. Open our hearts, Lord, open our minds, Lord, to what you want. It is in your son's awesome and amazing name. All God's people with great enthusiasm in the house said, amen.